Leadership development exists because none of us are perfect, fully realized people. We all have room for growth in our lives and we need help along the way. Hi, and welcome to the Developing Imperfect Leaders podcast. Because the last time I checked, we're not Jesus. This podcast is a project of the Leadership Development Institute at Hope Community Church, intended to help you explore and grow your leadership skills for service both inside and outside the church. I'm your host, Paul Stiver, and I'm joined by my co-hosts and fellow LDI staff team members, Kaylin Larson. Hello. And Natty Severson. Hello. Hey, guys. All right. So let's get right into it. Every episode, we like to start off with just a fun fact about ourselves. Uh, so, Kaylin, I'd love to hear, what's a fun fact about you? Um, a fun fact about me was shortly after, this is probably like six months after getting my driver's license. Yes. I love where this is going already. I am, well, not embarrassed to say, but you know, I could be embarrassed if I chose to be. Um, I decided that it'd be fun to get into two accidents and get a speeding ticket all in one week. (laughs) How much did your insurance go up? Uh, I don't actually know. The first accident, well, both of them were bumper accidents. And my brother was in the car for both of them. And after them, he was like, I'm never driving with you (laughs) again. (laughs) But the first one, my dad was like, we'll just pay out of pocket because he didn't want to do it on insurance. And then the next accident, I rear-ended Alexis. Mm. And he was like, okay, I think we're going to report this one to insurance. (laughs) But the guy driving in front of me, the one who I hit was like, because I called my, I was pulling into like the high school parking lot. And I called my dad. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It was a high school student driving a Lexus? Yes, it was. Wow. Brave parents. Daddy's money. Okay, that's not helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the guy, when my dad pulled up, because my dad also was a former police officer. So my dad pulled up. um, The guy looked at my dad and was like, I swear, it wasn't her fault. It was the car in front of me. And my dad's like, dude. Her car hit your car. It's her fault. It's not the car in front of you's fault for the hit. So, and then, yep, got a speaking speeding ticket. Friday of homecoming. Were you just gunning it? What? Like I love you got was, in two accidents, so then you're like, why right, not let's, go faster? Let's kick up. I the should speed. drive faster. <laughs> yeah. I was running late because it was hockey practice, <laughs> and then I was late to meeting all of my friends for like getting ready to go to the football game. And so I bolted out of hockey practice and I was going 43 and a 30. Oof. And sometimes fast isn't efficient. It was not efficient. No, that didn't work yeah. out. So. Mm. Wow. How many uh, accidents since? Mm, none. I've been, I actually was just pulled over over the weekend. Yeah. Oh. oh my God. How have you not was told it, us this yet? Because yeah. I forgot. Was it for speed? I didn't get a ticket. It was for speeding. Oh my gosh. Uh, what was it? How fast were you going? Uh, he clocked me at 79. I would say I was going 75 in a 65. I mean, Let's, I'm not condoning speeding here. Let's be. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. But that's not. It was, I was leaving my brother's house and my brother's like, why don't you take this road to Fargo instead of this one? Because there's never cops on this road. And I was like, okay. Wow. <laughs> so I was pretty confident that's that amazing. I could go a little faster. And then after I got pulled over, I called him and I was like, dude, what the heck? I just got pulled over. And I just got a warning. Oh, that was nice of that's, them. Yeah, that is. That's nice of them. Especially because you're an out-of-state driver. Is that, that going to yeah. alter My the... mom pulled a card, so 
Oh, really? Yeah. Is that going to alter the way you drive in any way? No. Yeah, that's what I figured. That's a, and no warning is ever. We never ever. learn. Uh, neither never has a learned. ticket, actually. I don't know if I've, I got like one speeding ticket in my life. Anyway. Oh, bye. Um, so for me, fun fact, I went to uh, the University of Minnesota. Go Gophers. Go Gophers. My major was, uh, I was in the J school, the journalism school. My major was uh, strategic communication, which is just advertising. Fancy way to say advertising. <laughs> I, my focus was copywriting. So writing ads and things like that. I'd never used my degree once in my life. Uh, maybe you do here, I think. A little bit to be a better writer. But yeah, I, I definitely, I only use it one time, which is to do one illustration of how to read Genesis 3 uh, in the Bible. So that's, thanks, uh, four years of school and lots of debt, uh, which, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, uh, that's me. Natty, what about you? What's a fun fact? Well, I was, it's not so fun, but it's it's telling. Uh, I have a bum knee and I'm sitting here in a brace as we talk. Right. So I thought, you know, why not talk about it? Um, I have a I've, I blew up my knee. But in in telling it, I think the topic today we're going to talk about failure um, <laughs> really it suits this topic because, you know, I, I played years of organized athletics and ran and that did take its toll on my knee. But the final straw was me deciding it was a great idea to jump over one of my friends for a photograph. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. And we were at the Bean and, and Millennium Park in Chicago. You guys know this. It's yes. reflective. Yeah. So it's really yeah. people take their pictures in it. So I, so I, I'm like, OK, I'm going to jump over you and you're going to do a photo burst and this is going to be awesome. So I jump and it's a really great photo. You know, I'm like, I jumped over her. And then when I land, the photo burst caught my landing. Yeah. I didn't fall, but the look on my face sure. as I bring my knee oh. up to my chest is, you, you've seen the picture. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something. You can tell I just did something very, very bad to my body. Mm. And so, uh, you know, the forever captured on photo was my failed landing. I think it was a <laughs> failed landing of a jump that has since really changed the trajectory of my overall wellness. (laughs) So, yeah. So definitely, definitely not my finest hour. It was just telling. It describes me a little bit to say I blew out my knee jumping over someone. Selling out for the photo. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. too bad Caitlin wasn't there. She could have laughed at you. Oh, she would have laughed. I didn't fall though. So it wouldn't have been as funny to her. So Still pain from... It's all humorous. Thankfully, I was there. I was there with a friend who didn't laugh at me, who just went, (gasps) oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So fun time. That is a little fun. I don't know why, but it was kind of fun, Uh, even though it's a knee injury. Um, All right. (laughs) Let's get into uh, the leading question. So every week we want to look at the leading question, kind of our title question for this episode. And so this week it is, what should I do if my high standards consistently make me feel like a failure. Kaylin, what should I do if my high standards consistently make me feel like a failure? I read this question and I was like, how does Paul know that this is what I am struggling with all the time? <laughs> so basically, this is a I story mean, basically because you tell us. <laughs> I know. I'm pretty open about how I feel like a failure often. Um, I think when I read this question, I just wanted to take a step back and then ask the question, how are you recognizing that you are feeling like a failure? Because I think um, it can people 
I know that it can be hard to recognize. You might just feel like you're not doing well, but then to label it as a failure can be hard for some people. And so I think being able even just to label that is a great start because then you are then able to share that with others. Um, I think it's hard to admit that you're failing because you want to people in general. I know for me, I want to show people like, I got this all together. I am doing great. I am not failing, even though internally my mind is going just, you know, 100 miles a minute trying to think of how can I do all of this well so that I don't fail. Um, And so something that I will have to do is I have to ask the question and then also talk it through with someone. So asking the question, what are my standards and who is the voice uh, in my head that has set these standards? Are, is it me? Is it mm-hmm. someone else? Um, is Are these my expectations? Or maybe is my spouse putting these friends, my job? Where are these expectations coming from? Um, and so I think just starting with those questions can be really helpful. I'm going to put a picture in the show notes of the way Kaylin has her computer set up right now. She has this, um, she's tempting failure here. Um, because she likes to just precariously perch her laptop on things and she's using it for notes. And so she, while she was talking with her hands, she almost knocked it off. And I was like, everything I could not to interrupt you in a burst of laughter. Um, Same. (laughs) Yep. So great. I think similarly to Kaylin, I can really relate with this one too. Um, I once had a mental health professional look at me and this is in all sincerity. This is not a joke. And it was with empathy. She said, I've never met someone as obsessed with failure as you are. And I'm like, that is not something you want to necessarily (laughs) be the best at, right? You know, like, uh, like, do I get a trophy for that? Most obsessed with failure. Um, And we could, we should be. Well, you know, good news. God is good. Um, But it was, it sounds mean, but it was actually super kind because she followed it up with most things that you consider failure. Other people just consider living life. Hmm. So you're marking all these things as failure. That other people are like, no, that's learning, that's growing. And so it was super freeing. And since then, it's it's been 18 years since someone said that to me. And, you know, I've been figuring this out uh, about not letting the idea, idea of failure rule my life. Um, I was a, I was a, like a super independent, super high functioning, competent person. And I put so much of my identity into that. So as I put more and more stuff, of my identity in that. And I couldn't have told you this at the time, obviously. I thought I was putting my identity in Christ. And in many ways I was, but this is one of those sneaky idols, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was, I was, I was doing those things, but I, I think I had as as I was, my competency was growing and I had this reputation for being so competent. I was really putting more and more stock in that. And as I did that, the fear of failure grew and it grew and it grew mm-hmm. and it grew. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's been a a a, a, a unwinding it, I suppose, over the course of the last 18 years. And it's not that I, I don't stumble back in that from time to time because I do. I, I do. You guys have seen me, seen me do that. Um, but for the most part, I think I do have a much healthier relationship with failure because God's been at work in me. So that's been really, it's been, it's been cool. Yeah. For me, the, uh, <laughs> my wife, Allison was teasing me this week cause I was trying to do a bunch of house projects. And then I had a day where I didn't get any house projects done. And I literally was saying, oh, I'm such a failure. I didn't get any house projects done. And she was like, yeah, there you go. That's where your self-worth comes from, your productivity. <laughs> so that's my, that was my, she was teasing me about that. But I, it is, uh, Nettie, you used the phrase sneaky idol. And we kind of create these high standards of these self-imposed laws that are 
different than God's standards. And for me, it was that day, it was productivity was what defined my self-worth, which is a great way to know if I have an idol or thing I'm worshiping that isn't God. And, uh, and so then I'm creating a standard and saying, okay, God, you can't love me unless I'm productive. And he's like, oh, actually, I think you're forgetting what the gospel is. It's that my son was the one who did the work and you are the one who receives the grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not about your productivity. So yeah, these, those things though, it, it is, uh, yeah, like Kaylin said, to be introspective and ask questions of ourselves. Yeah, Nitty. Before you go on to the quote of the week, I think you're kind of tipping onto something. It's the question of, we haven't really defined failure right? Mm-hmm. We each think of failure from our own lens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to just, okay, three second pause is probably our sound guy's nightmare, right? Because you're, they're going to think the podcast shut down. I'm going to give all the listeners a three second pause to, to try to define failure in their mind. Are you ready? If I give you any more, the, the Austin's going to lose it, right? But when we think about failure, the reality is we we define a lot of things as failure that aren't, right? Yeah, we, like you said, it's just life. Right. So I didn't get anything done. I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. Or even if you're not taking it on a shame, the I'm a failure, you would say that was failure, mm-hmm. right? If So if you do the whole mm-hmm. psychology thing, oh, it's not who I am, but it's something I did. Even that, I don't know, you know, like for me, when I think of the word failure, I have to boil it down to sin, yeah. right? Like I, failure is not... I should have known the future and done something different um, that I didn't know. No, most of the time we're making the best decision we can with the information we have, but Mm -hmm. we can look back on that and then mark it as failure or man, I should have done more today. I wish I could have. And those should have kind of kill us. And, Mm -hmm. and yeah, there are days when we maybe should have gotten off the couch and done some other things. And that would have been more a better stewardship of our time. But when I think about failure, I think about how it has to be, related to sin and not all those other things. What do you, what do you all think of that? Yeah, I think it's very easy. And this kind of gets at the idea of, of my high standards, right? Again, we're replacing what God has asked of us and is, is calling us to with our own standards and ideas of what is success and, and good being a human, good human, humaning. Uh, is that a phrase? We'll, we'll cut that. No, I'm just kidding. But the, uh, right. I think we, yeah, we replace yeah. our standards with God's and say, God, I'll, I'll tell you what makes me a whole person. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, right. He's saying actually failure for me is, is sin. And in fact, I've dealt with even that <laughs> failure on the cross. And so it actually is freeing then frees us up to take risks, frees us up to try things, knowing that unless I'm in sin, I'm not really at risk of failing. If that, yeah. So I, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, let's get into this quote of the week. So this week's quote comes from, uh, again, I think we've used this before, Kevin DeYoung's book, Just Do Something. And it says this, we've assumed that we'll experience heaven on earth, and then we get disappointed when earth seems so unheavenly. We have a little longing left. We have little longing left for our reward in the next life because we've come to expect such rewarding experiences in this life. And when every experience and situation must be rewarding and put us on the road to complete fulfillment, then suddenly to the decisions about where we live, what house we buy, what dorm we're in, and whether we go with tile or laminate take on weighty significance. So what do you guys make of this quote? Nettie, I'd love to hear what you're thinking about this quote. What jumps out as it relates to feelings of failure? Yeah, I... I see that longing that he's talking about this to experience heaven on earth. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when we don't, we mark it as failure, right? Any, Mm -hmm. any place that we don't experience heaven on earth, we mark it as failure. So that's any time we see disappointment, 
mm-hmm. as if we can control all the disappointments, right? So yeah, I see that longing to experience and that myself and others, you know, our first world problems, you kind of, you know, tongue in cheek there with the uh, laminate or whatever flooring, hardwood tile. I don't know what he said. Yeah. I can't find it in the quote. Um, but yeah, I see that. And so we believe that if we can just pick, maybe pick the right dorm or the right job or the right place to live, we might just not have to face any troubles at all. And if we take a step back from that, we know it's not true, mm-hmm. right? We know mm-hmm. we're going to have troubles. Jesus told us that, right? But we don't want to face troubles, discomfort, or any actual suffering. Um, that's just not how it works. And so, you know, we're going to face face suffering, you know, even if we don't um, have real big suffering in our life, we're all aging, right? My mm-hmm. knee. I blew that out. That's a sign of like aging and my body deteriorating, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's going to happen to us no matter what. And so I think what happens in this that makes me most nervous, and I think what DeYoung is getting at, and he says, and when every experience and situation must be rewarding and put us on the road to complete fulfillment. This is kind of a scary idea in our culture because what happens is when something doesn't provide us with the fulfillment we want, we give up on it saying mm-hmm. it's not right. Right. Yeah. So think yeah. about that. I'm not, I'm not fulfilled with my cereal. So I'm going to throw it away and eat something else. All right. So small things like that. I'm not fulfilled by my car. So I'm going to get a new one. Right. It's not, it doesn't have seated, <laughs> seated eats, <laughs> heated seats yeah. or whatever. So I'm going to get a new one that does. I'm not fulfilled by my job. So I'm going to keep living job, leaving jobs until I find heaven on earth, essentially until I find that job where I don't have any toil but work is toil, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the one that scares me kind of most, and I think modern day culture and even in Christian circles to some extent is I'm not fulfilled by my marriage or I'm not fulfilled by my faith. So I'm going to quit that mm-hmm. until yeah, I right. find a better one. Mm-hmm. Until I experience heaven on earth, I'm going to keep quitting these things because we've somehow made this idea of perfection and an end of suffering um, as our another idol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, reading an article recently about home renovation culture and how uh, because of like the rise of shows on Home and Garden TV, some of these other shows that have become so popular, everyone is walking around looking at their house and let down by it. And so we're all kind of miserable when we look at our houses. And why? Because we've seen these shows where people get this fulfillment or maybe it's social media is portraying to us like, here's the life of fulfillment. We're seeing that and we're thinking, that's what my life needs to be. And then, yeah, it breeds this, um, this discomfort or this disapproval of our current life. Uh, but yeah, then it sets us on this trajectory to live that. And then I think the idea of the quote too, of that each of these decisions takes on weighty significance, that is just crippling. That's the part that stood out to me. Yeah. And I think, right. So then I asked myself, like, what decisions in my life are making me feel that way right now? Because I think I do have a couple. And, uh, and so it's like, wow, that is yeah, maybe I'm thinking wrongly and need to reinvestigate this this idea. What about you, Kay? Um, the weighty significance is what stood out to me is all of a sudden, every decision we make now has so much power. Um, so just even the choice of tile versus laminate, um, I, the Lord doesn't want us to feel paralyzed by making a decision over flooring in mm-hmm. our house. Um, and when we are put giving choices like that, such power, then um, buyer's remorse can come in or like regret of your decision. And I know I can personally struggle with that. I mean, I fall into the walking around my house and I'm like, we can fix that. We can fix that. We can fix that. And then I'm like, wait, but here are all the things I love about my house. Like, 
And so mm-hmm. I always have to, when I start seeing that in my own heart, um, I have to remind myself the house that we chose is not failure. Um, and like, I just, I have to prevent myself becoming paralyzed, even just over small decisions because there's no freedom then. And the Lord wants us to be experienced freedom because ultimately we have freedom in Christ because what he has done for us on the cross. Um, and so I, I say all this and I think there is, we, there are still, um, ways to make wise decisions and, um, yeah, I like there are wise choices and there is freedom in our choices as well. Yeah. And so let's get into that idea uh, as we think about growing together. Every every time we want to have a goal of of helping imperfect leaders to grow. And so we look at growing together and we think, what does it look like practically to start living more for God's will and less for our own in our lives, especially as we think about this idea of of failure and giving all these decisions weighty significance. And I just have a few. These are kind of, um, I think, uh, a little bit Christian culture, like you have to say these, but like, how can I start living more for God's will? One right away off the bat is just having regular devotional time. I think that you're constantly reorienting your mind to here's what God's about and what mm-hmm. he's trying to do. And then there, I fit into that story, but I'm not the center of that story. Jesus is. Um, obviously prayer is going to always reorient or, or at least sometimes I guess my prayer life isn't always doing this, but reorient our hearts toward God and what he's about. I think a huge one for living for God's will is community and particularly accountability. I think of our small groups here at Hope and how when I get into accountability, I'm able to share what's going on with my life and, and really be upfront about the struggles I'm having in a safe space. And that is, that frees me up to say, here's all the areas that it feels like God's will is unattainable or that I'm not measuring up uh, or that I'm struggling and guys can come around inside uh, me and pray for me and care for me in that and ask me good questions. Obviously, that, or with that, then I'd say Sunday worship uh, or again, another time to reorient heart to God and not uh, self. And then I, I did have one that I think could be a fun one. Uh, when, uh, how do I live practically for God's will? Every once in a while, I like to do something. I've seen a benefit of this. I like to do something drastically faithful. Uh, something that like is, Ooh. is, yeah, right, yeah. So like giving more than seems reasonable or signing up to take a class or some other opportunity that I'm like, I kind of don't know how God's going to make this happen. <laughs> um, but I'm going to try it anyway. A little bit of like a drastic faithfulness really does, has, has refreshed me at times when I'm not feeling like, uh, you know, oh, God's will is everything I want. And, and so that's kind of fun to do something and watch him show up in that. Um, Kay, what about you? What's some practical things? Um, I would, I mean, I had a lot of things written down that you just shared. I think the one thing I would add is trust the context um, that you are in, the experiences that you have experienced, and then the people he surrounded you with. Natty had said earlier, we are making the best decisions that we can with the information that you have. Mm. And so it can become paralyzing when you are uh, afraid of failure. You can be paralyzed by your choices. Um, but the Lord has entrusted you with, you know, all of these things. And so trust those decisions as you make them. Yeah. Yeah. I, the idea of a devotional, you know, obviously devotionals don't fix things. It's that connection with God that, Mm -hmm. that fix things is not, but we need to stop and do those things to try to connect with God because it's the same way we connect with culture by 
watching home and garden TV, it puts ideas in our head, right? Mm -hmm. It orients us around what our house should look Mm -hmm. like or, or whatever things we're, we're wanting more of, right? Obviously those are real first word problems, right? We have homes with roofs over our head and we're dry and safe and warm. And then all of a sudden these other things become really big. One of the things that I was thinking about, about growing together is like defining that relationship between risk, failure, and God's will. Mm -hmm. We see that Mm -hmm. as kind of a unique, we talk about them kind of in a bundle around our LDI classes. And maybe it's helpful to explain why. And I was thinking about this and I was thinking about how the idea of risk kind of sits between God's will and failure, right? You've got on one hand, you've got God's will. On the other hand, you might be kind of thinking of failure, Mm -hmm. right? Um, but then you have risk. And I mean more the conventional definition of failure, um, of course, sin included in that. But if we're on the verge of taking a risk, if our eyes are fixed on that failure side, that failure side, we're going to probably hedge our bet on that, mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. risk. We're not going to take that risk. And if our eyes are focused on God and pursuing his will, we might just take those risks and we might not be afraid of looking silly or not making tons of money or whatever, you know, or, or losing money potentially by mm-hmm. giving a ton of money mm-hmm. away. Right. And so, and so, sorry, Austin. And so we are, um, what, what we're keeping our eyes focused on is, is probably the, the, the biggest deal. That's really good. I want to actually jump off that as we get into the one takeaway, because all of us, each of us in this room are imperfect leaders, which means we have, something we want to take away from these conversations. And I'm really gr- jumping onto that and, and the idea of weighty significance. And I, I want to get after actually a specific area that I've seen, which is dating. Uh, I think I've seen people at times put, in Christian circles, put very weighty significance on going on one date with one person. And I don't know uh, I think going back to like, okay, if between God's will and risk, if you're walking in God's will, you're following after Jesus. I don't know if we always have to put this weighty significance on one date. I think we can say, uh, I'm getting looks from Natty over there. She's like, oh, he really is jumping into the topic no, of dating. Just me and Kaylin had some meaningful eye contact. I just was involved in Kaylin's life when she was dating. So I think we both. <laughs> yeah. So, I, but I think that we see this, right? And it's, it is a little humorous, but. But I, the reason I bring that up is is any of the times that we're giving anything weighty significance, I think oftentimes we are fixing more of our eyes on that failure side of things than on the God's will side of things. Because I think if I'm walking in God's will uh, and I there's someone I'm interested in, in at least going on one date with, that doesn't need to take on weighty significance. We can just pursue and say, hey, is there something here? Maybe let's, is there something worth connecting on a second date and maybe considering pursuing further. It doesn't need to be the biggest thing of all time. And I, but I think again, if we're thinking, gosh, if I go on this date, it might mean everything, or I might fail at this or whatever, we, we might give it more significance. So I think the weighty significance phrase really helps us think through the lens for all of the things on failure. I just tried to use that one as a specific. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that. Uh, I didn't have that down, but it's worth a conversation because I do think in Christian landscapes, we make a huge deal out of one date and we can be like, I need to know if it's God's will for me to marry this person Mm -hmm. before I go on one date so that I will never experience any harm or heaven forbid heartbreak. Yeah. I was just thinking about that. Right. Because that's risk. That's pain. Right. Mm -hmm. But well, man, what has God, I mean, 
raise your hand if you've been heartbroken, you know, like, yeah. right. We all didn't raise our hands, but I, I know we have been. Um, and so like, yeah, we've, we've felt that, um, in our lives. And so and we made it through and God did something through that experience, right? We didn't like it. It wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, I don't like this situation with my knee. It's not good. Um, God doesn't didn't design me for pain to experience this pain, but yet God can use that pain to help us grow. Um, and I think when, when we're faced with risk or tormented by failure, we have to actually just, the one thing that I would take away is we actually have to almost physically turn our head to God and just mm. keep our eyes focused on mm-hmm. him. Um, those eyes need to stay focused on Jesus and, and let him tell us who we are and what success and where our image or our worth really come from. And yeah. that's in him. Okay. How about you? Mine was um, just continuing to look to the Lord. So am I seeking the Lord when I am um, feeling like a pause due to risk or thinking I'm going to experience failure or have told myself that I have failed? Um, who am I turning to? And is it the Lord? That's really good. Yeah. Just to kind of wrap up, I, I, that goes back to the leading question for me because I think I was feeling like a failure due to lack of productivity. And as soon as I reorient myself to the Lord and I, I let him define who I am, I see I'm okay in the gospel. I'm okay in Jesus and my worth, my image, some of those things that we mentioned comes from what he thinks of me, not what I think of me. And I can actually then fight lies with truth and actually be free to take risks. Uh, and, and actually it freed me up to be more productive when I did actually turn to the Lord. So that's great. Well, that wraps up our conversation for today, but we want to keep connecting with you. So thank you for listening to the podcast. And if you like what you heard, be sure to follow our show and leave a review. We love connecting with our listeners. So if you have questions, comments, or topic ideas, please email us LDI at HopeCC.com. LDI is a ministry of Hope Community Church based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We seek to develop leaders in their biblical thinking, Christ-like character, and ministry skills for service both inside and outside the church. We do this through internships, classes, seminars, and retreats. If you're interested in learning more about our internships or other opportunities, visit ldi.hopecc.com or email ldi.hopecc.com. Have a great week.